Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. Five, four, three, two, one. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. A confirmed attack is taking place against the United States. Aliens from an unknown location have been reported in multiple states. We are controlling transmission. There is another world that awaits, far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary. What you believe might not be. Step into the zone of the best unknown. UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracies and cover-ups. And to the paranormal we go. Arrow has found no credible evidence thus far of extraterrestrial activity, off-world technology, or objects that defy the known laws of physics. The United States government has gathered a great deal of information about UAPs over many decades, but has refused to share it with the American people. We're going to get to the bottom of it, dadgummit, whatever the truth may be. We're done with the cover-up. Our witnesses will testify today that UAPs have posed a serious safety threat. And we must understand this. I have experience advanced UAP firsthand, and I'm here to voice the concerns of more than 30 commercial aircrew and military veterans who have confided their similar encounters with me. The Tic Tac object we engaged in 2004 was far superior to anything that we had on time, have today, or are looking to develop in the next 10 years. The U.S. government is operating with secrecy above congressional oversight uh, with regards to UAPs. And that's just a slice of it. The amount of UFO disclosure that has come in 2023 has been absolutely unprecedented. A year where the classified was declassified, at least only uh, which we can be privy to. We know that a lot is still not going to be talked about publicly. We learned our lesson with the UAP Disclosure Act that they really don't want all of the secrets to come out so we're still just dealing with only a slice of what is a pretty big pie as we look back on everything that uh, happened in the year 2023 in ufo disclosure we must start back in the month of january when a long-awaited report came out from the office of the director of national intelligence this was the report that we were expecting in late 2022, uh, but it didn't come out until early 2023, you know, typical government stuff. 
but the long and the short of it is much of it cannot be explained. Certain there's ones you can't explain, and in the hearings that we've seen, they certainly did a lot to bring things to the forefront that could be explained, not focusing on what cannot be explained. And uh, this report was no different. In fact, said more of the same, which is we don't know what a good percentage of these are. Uh, we're talking about a great number of encounters that have been had over the years that still remain unidentified, which means when uh, all of the evidence was compiled and reviewed, this country's best and brightest still could not crack the case. And that is saying something. And then a couple weeks goes by, and then the UFO topic really goes mainstream. Just moments ago, the U.S. shot down the suspected Chinese surveillance balloon off the coast of the Carolinas. Order the Pentagon to shoot it down. It successfully took it down, and I want to compliment our aviators who did it. Defense Department says the Chinese spy balloon shot down over the weekend was taller than the Statue of Liberty. At the direction of the President of the United States, fighter aircraft assigned to U.S. Northern Command successfully took down a high-altitude airborne object off the northern coast of Alaska. The Department of Defense was tracking a high-altitude object over Alaska airspace in the last 24 hours. The object was flying at an altitude of uh, 40,000 feet and posed a reasonable threat to the safety of civilian flights. Out of an abundance of caution and at the recommendation of the Pentagon, President Biden ordered the military to down the object. Objects being shot down for uh, some sort of threat or some sort of perceived threat that they posed. And just like that, UFOs are in the mainstream as uh, we hear that maybe one of these is a Chinese spy balloon. That was the one initially shot down over South Carolina, and apparently that one was recovered. But the others, including off of uh, the coast of Michigan and in Alaska, and the one that was taken down in Canadian airspace, were never recovered. In that case, uh, we're not sure what they were. They remain unidentified flying objects, unidentified flying objects that posed such a threat they had to be dealt with in that capacity. An unprecedented time in our history as the U.S. shoots down four unidentified flying objects in just over a week. It certainly was a fodder for many programs where we discussed exactly that. What was going on here? What was the U.S. shooting down? I don't think we'll ever have the answers to those questions. But, of course, it's always uh, fascinating to wonder, uh, which is what we did right around that time when all this was happening with Graham Rendall, who's an aviation historian and author of some outstanding books on UFOs, Dawn of the Flying Saucers, Flying Saucer Fever, and UFOs Before Roswell. 
uh, who joined us to uh, talk about this all. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly it's caught a lot of people's attention, really, because it's been it's been nonstop on the news cycle in the states, and it's actually now made uh, top your know, sort of news stories here in the UK for the last couple of days. So it's definitely on everybody's kind of radar, if you like, and uh, you know, excuse the pun, because uh-huh. basically what what the Americans have done have they've altered the settings on on their radar systems to you know that normally look for missiles coming over the pole, um, and they've you know, they've they've tweaked those, and now you know, hey presto, they're seeing all these other things which beforehand might have been you know dis, uh, dismissed as weather balloons or may have triggered uh, UAP reports unidentified aerial phenomenon reports uh, by the air force or by civilians so you know it's a case of yeah it's really exciting now do I think they're UFOs? Well, probably not I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint some of your listeners here well, so how do we define so- UFOs then? Well, certainly, I mean, they, they are classed as UFOs per se, because at the moment, three of them seem to be unidentified and they're flying and they're objects. So in the, in the, in the strictest definition of the term, they're still UFOs. But the first one, as we're probably well aware now, was identified as a Chinese spy balloon. It was, it looked like a weather balloon. It had an instrument package slung underneath it. Um, you know, obviously, we're not entirely sure yet because the information hasn't come out. They've just retrieved it, apparently, uh, the, the, the wreckage from off North Carolina or over wherever it went down over the Atlantic. But they said, you know, it's some kind of sensor array. So it'll have some kind of, you know, instrument package, um, which is not unlike actually what the Americans did back in the 1950s. Um, you know, your guys used to uh, dream up these kind of weather balloons with camera packages on underneath. And they had an attempt to try and send them over the Soviet Union. Uh, to spy on on Russian, um, you know, secret sensitive sites. So it's not a new thing, but it, it's one of these things where they reinvent the wheel. So you know, some decades later, because there may well be advantages doing it over spy satellites. So I can understand why an adversary might do this, and it just so happens that because they tweak the radar systems to look for other things rather than just missiles and maybe potential jet bombers and things like that, they're picking up things like this now. Um, so yeah, that, that's. The situation at the moment but of course the, the, you know we haven't got enough information about these three other things um that, that have come down so the, obviously we have to wait for more information but it may turn out and it probably will turn out to be more of the same kind of thing so you believe that these were some sort of balloon whether surveillance balloons or weather balloons or, or something of the kind some something that some kind of you know reconnaissance package let's say like a kind of spy not a spy satellite but some kind of spy spying device um and of course there's different types of balloon so you, you have weather balloons but you have other things called aerostats which cover yeah. a wide kind of you know variety of kind of airship balloon you know, uh, different types of things okay. like that um so, so that's probably what it is who do you think then is spying on us is it china is it russia is it our own craft are we doing it just to provoke something is this a private uh thing that's being done by individuals or groups or is this et's I think the jury's out as to who actually is doing it. I think it is probably some earthbound kind of adversary or potential adversary who's actually sending these things across. Um, they, they backtracked effectively the uh, the first one to work out roughly where it might have come from. And they were sort of leaning towards the fact that it might have come from China. So I think that was the working theory. And of course, these other three may be Russian, but they might be Chinese as well. Um, who knows what the North Koreans are, are, are cooking up as well. It's not inconceivable. They might have a hand in, all, in, in some of this as well. 
well. Um, that's just me thinking out loud, but it'll it'll be a potential adversary because nobody else really has a, a, a kind of reason for doing this, if you like. Um, but you know, these kind of things, it's not a new thing. As I said before, the you know the Americans did this back in the fifties. So it's a, a potential way of um, of a low cost a low-risk method of sending an instrument package, a surveillance package, over a di- another country to see what they're doing. Um, and, of course, it, it's quite cheap, and it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's fairly reliable in terms of sending a weather balloon up. So it, it, you don't have to send a man in, or a woman in the aircraft, so you don't have to get anybody shot down. So it's not as if it's going to be quite mm-hmm. embarrassing if that happens. It's just a balloon, if you like. Um, so it's not something you're going to go to war over necessarily, um, but it obviously is quite embarrassing if these things have been happening for a while and because the fact that the the radar's filter hasn't picked them up then you know how long has this been going on for and it just hasn't been detected all the rhetoric is that there will be consequences for this and that uh we are going to act on this and now official bureaus being set up i don't know how official they are to investigate this stuff so while uh you know on the surface you know if these objects do not pose a threat and and should not be uh, a situation in which to provoke war. Might it still happen? Just because of all the the talk out there, that's that's what I'm hearing. Well, certainly, you know, things are getting quite fractious at the moment in terms of you know what's happening in Ukraine and there's tensions over Taiwan. So there's always you know there's always potential flashpoints. But then again, you know, I'm old enough to have lived through the Cold War, and of course, we had much worse kind of things happen back then. So it, you know, it's it's not inconceivable that things could sort of kick off if you like. But it, it we're nowhere near that particular you know, particular position at the moment. But in terms of spying on each other, well, that that's happened for decades. You know, even with the end of the Cold War, there's still you know, you know, countries are still looking over their shoulders to see what other countries are doing. So it's nothing new. But um, in terms of you know sending things over, well, we say we don't know how long this has happened. But it is an intelligence failure on behalf of, of behalf of America because certainly these things have been coming over maybe with impunity, and it's only because they tweaked the radar system that they found out what they are. So it's not a case necessarily that heads will, will roll in you know defense circles because of this, but it's something they need to address, and they need, do need to formulate a policy about what to do with them. Mm-hmm. You know, are they content to let them? fly right over America before they shoot them down like the first one, or do they actually try and stop them and prevent them coming over the, over the country? Graham Rendell joining us on Into the Paranormal, talking about the objects being shot down across the United States and Canada earlier this year, and there were more. Come to find out, an additional one uh, dealt with over Hawaii and more sightings uh, up in Canada. Declassified tonight, I'm Jeremy Scott. I remember every other day or so when we were hearing about an object being shot down over either the U.S. or Canadian airspace, and then it just stopped. But the disclosure continued. A year where the classified was declassified. We're talking about it on Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. Preston Dennett is a UFO researcher who has interviewed witnesses and written several dozen books we talked with Preston about just how unprecedented 
these uh, string of sightings were. Oh, yeah. I've never heard the mainstream media or UFOs being talked about in official circles like this before. It's a complete reversal of how this subject has been handled for, geez, since I've ever gotten involved in this field. So, yeah, definitely so, unprecedented. So then let's uh, hone in on that. Why do you think that is the case, and, and why now are these objects uh, attracting the attention in which they are? I think they've always been attracting the government's attention. Uh, I think they've known about it for 80 years. I mean, we know this. We, this is proven through documents released from the Freedom of Information Act. This is nothing new to the government. The only real news here is how they're publicizing this, how they're talking about it. Uh, I don't think that this is at all new. UFOs have been flying around for since before recorded history. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, there's several reasons I think yes, what's going on Yes, but we here. haven't shot down four of them in eight days, and so I'm, what I'm really getting at is why now? Yeah, well, I don't think we are shooting them down, honestly. I don't think these are UFOs. Uh, I don't think there's so any we're, real... We're, we're just claiming that we sh- we've, we've shot something down and, and we haven't, or, or what? Right. Well, I mean, I've got four or five reasons why I think these could not possibly be genuine extraterrestrial craft as, you know, as being put forth. I think that's the real news story is that they are waffling on the explanation here. But first, let's face the fact, these objects, as they're described, don't really fit the description of UFOs, of extraterrestrial craft. UFOs basically can move across the sky at many thousands of miles per hour. These are showing no real you know, abilities to move. They're just sort of floating along like balloons. This is how they're being described. Mm-hmm. UFOs, well, we know, turn at right angles. They dart upwards. They can disappear, reappear. Uh, so these are not showing the observables, as is often coined, that we see with genuine UFOs. That's yeah. one reason. But there are others. I mean, the second, and I think this is probably the strongest reason why we know these aren't UFOs, is because flat out, we just don't have the capability to shoot these things down. Certainly not with missiles. I'll point to a very famous incident which occurred on September 19, 1976, over Tehran, Iran, in which UFOs were seen. The Iranian Air Force scrambled two F-4 Phantom jets to chase them, and one of the pilots was General Parviz Jafari. And he actually was approaching one of these objects, had it locked in. They disabled his instruments. Uh, They know when we are coming for them, they travel far faster than any missile we have. Uh, There's just no way. I mean, they've been in the sky for years and years and years and years. We've never successfully shot one down. And now we've shot down four over a period of weeks. That makes zero sense. I mean, it's just illogical. And where's the debris? Preston Denna joining us on Into the Paranormal as we continue Declassified tonight, looking at the year of UFO disclosure. This only a start of what was to come. I'm Jeremy Scott. Between the paranormal and abnormal, we'll continue.
Paranormal News. Air traffic control conversations in the Northwest Territories of Canada documented unidentified white lights seen by a crew member aboard a Canadian North flight approaching the city of Yellowknife after 11 o'clock at night on January 29th. Yeah, we're looking at two lights dancing around here that, uh, to the east of your field. The lights were reported to the tower to be moving in a circular pattern. The flight deck reported they did not see it on their traffic collision avoidance system. We just didn't know what it was. If you guys had a tank to upgrade us. No, we got nothing. That's uh, quite strange. It was not the only one of late. Unusual lights moving erratically at 40,000 feet and higher were noted by a flight crew near Nova Scotia a week later. There were nearly a dozen similar reports from pilots throughout Canada last year. I'm George Henry, Paranormal News. Originating from a remote location, nearly as top secret as Area 51. Yeah, and if you believe that, you'll really like this show. Into the Paranormal. You know, it makes me wonder, when we hear about these unidentified lights reported by Canadian flight crews, and then we hear that the objects that uh, were the object that we knew about that was shot down over Canada wasn't the only one, and that, oh, by the way, they're opening their own study into UFOs. Uh, It makes me just a tad bit suspicious. Our suspicions were confirmed many months later when it came to be that there was a secret memo that... uh, stated that there were at least 23 of these objects over North America that were tracked in the first few weeks of 2023. The one in uh, the Yukon Territory in Canada, of course, was taken down on February 11th, but prior to that, there had been the three in the United States, and apparently more than 20 more that were tracked across North America within the first couple of weeks of the year. So the problem turned out to be much more wide-scale than the officials uh, have wanted to admit, that memo uh, coming to light and not really receiving uh, much publicity, uh, certainly not as much as the uh, original series of sightings. Canada, after 30 years, has opened up a UFO study to understand how UAP sightings are handled and offer recommendations. Uh, They apparently are going to be delivering a report in the coming year, 2024. So uh, their study lasting just under a year. Uh, But that is a progress, I guess, on that front in Canada. Although, according to uh, Grant Cameron, a, a longtime guest of this program, Uh, He says, don't hold your breath over it. There was uh, also an interesting meeting that uh, went down involving several nations, the U.S. among them, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, and New Zealand, at the Five Eyes Gathering. This is said to be the first of its kind international meeting on unidentified flying objects. Hmm. The U.S. delivering a briefing to allied nations and also Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick 
the now outgoing director of the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, gave a, a presentation at that international meeting. And we talked about all of this with Grant Cameron, who's been involved in ufology since 1975 and has researched the involvement of the Canadian government and also U.S. presidents in the UFO phenomena. Well, I don't believe the object was um, UFO. I, I, well, I don't know for sure, but I mean, it's it's um, kind of just like chasing UFO stories. It doesn't really get you anywhere. It's just like another story. As to the briefing thing, I actually uh, made an, um, what we call an access to information here request with CSIS, which is uh, the agency that would be dealing with the five eyes if there was any. And I basically asked, what, what, in, what, what are we doing with the five eyes, uh, intelligence, whatever? And they basically wrote back exactly what I would expect they would write back. They said, if this stuff did exist, it would be classified. You don't have a need to know. And here's how the, the game is played. And they basically just said, no, we're not even going to go there. We're not going to confirm or deny anything that you're asking here. And so that, that went nowhere. As to the study, the Canadian government supposed to do this study. One of the interesting stories was that... Uh, Larry McGuire, who started the whole thing, I provided him all the material from the early 1950s when the Canadians actually said they were told by American officials flying saucers exist. It's the most highly classified subject in the United States. It's of tremendous significance to the Americans and mental phenomena involved. And now we're going to go back to sightings again. And the, the, the woman that's doing it is her name is uh, Dr. Mona Nimmer. And she actually was head of research at the University of Ottawa. And that's where all Wilbur Smith's files are. He's the guy that ran the first government UFO program. He was a contactee. He said UFOs are real. He was told by the Americans. He saw the bodies. He saw the craft, all this kind of stuff. And I can guarantee the new report is not going to have anything about the old stuff. They're going to play the same scam they're playing in the United States. Let's look at UFO sightings. We'll give you a place to investigate UFO sightings because that will go on for another 100 years. We have to get out of grade one, assume this is for real, and then start to look at um, what's actually going on. Who are these people? The, the Collecting sightings is a total waste of time other than to tell people that something's actually going on. Something's going on. UFOs are real. It's time to quit counting red ones and green ones and all this kind of stuff. So this report is supposed to come out. I'll guarantee you it will not have the, the, the former stuff from the Canadians because they're going to have to admit, even the major UFO researchers don't ad admit the fact that the Canadians said it was for real in 1950. We want to go, oh, let's prove to our friends and neighbors that this is, is real. And, and the last thing, we, had a, we actually had a meeting. We were gonna, there was 10 MPs that were going to come forward in Canada, members of parliament. And um, uh, I, was, I had a panel with Lou Alzando and Mellon and uh, Nolan was going to be involved and, and Loeb and all these guys. And these 10 MPs were going to ask questions of these four panelists. We were going to broadcast this on YouTube all over the place. And uh, the American uh, people on the panel and the American side wanted us to do the threat thing, the threat to national security. I said, well, we've got no military cases, not a threat to national security. And the Canadians want to do a scientific investigation. It's the science advisor to the prime minister of Canada who's doing it. They're going to do, and we kept insisting the aid that to the MP was saying, and I was saying, nope, it's going to be a scientific investigation. And then uh, Chris Mellon said, that's the poison pill, I'm gone. And boom, it all fell apart because we wouldn't do the military threat thing. And so this report's going to come out. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to be, oh, who, who files UFO reports? Where should we file them? Where should we go? You know, all this kind of stuff. And we can keep filing reports for the next 200 years. We're not going to learn anything. We have to admit UFOs are real and start talking to the people who've been on the craft and have the encounters and start figuring this thing out based upon those kind of eyewitness testimony. And why are they here? Who is this? Because uh, to me, it doesn't, I, 1975, I would have said definitely ET. Uh, I don't believe that anymore. I think this is so complex. 
And I don't think the government really knows very much of, of anything. They, so, have, they may have bodies and crafts, but that doesn't mean they know where they came from or, or how to turn the craft on or, or, or what's, what's going on. You can have all the hard, you got all sorts of, I've got three pieces of hardware. It, it doesn't tell me anything. I got the hardware. It's, it's all very cool and stuff like that, but no. So do you think that there's going to be uh, hearings in parliament like what's happened in, in the U.S. Congress? We only have a minute left. Well, I, I would hope so, but we don't have we don't have the ability to get the witnesses. There's no major witnesses in Canada to pull in there. I mean, you can't. Uh, the Americans aren't going to come into a Canadian hearing. That's Grant Cameron here on Into the Parabnormal. That uh, meeting, by the way, a meeting of the five eyes: U.S., Canada, U.K., Australia, and New Zealand, at the Pentagon. Uh, this happened in May. So interesting timing with this all. Of course, uh, as we mentioned, uh, we get the UAP report in January. Uh, the objects are being shot down in early February. And then along comes April when Congress gets together for its next UFO hearing. This would be 11 months after the initial hearing of May of 2022. So after no hearings for many decades, we get the first in May of 2022, and then 11 months later, April of 2023. This held by the Armed Services Subcommittee on Emerging Threats and Capabilities on April 19th. And Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, a name you'll hear quite often on the program tonight, the outgoing director of the Pentagon's UF, uh, UFO office, was the only witness uh, for that hearing. So after what seemed like actually promising back in May of last year, at least in the sense that we had some elected leaders who knew the questions to ask and were asking them quite uh, pointedly at the representatives in that hearing, uh, well, we didn't get that so much in the second hearing it was a lackluster performance as far as i'm concerned but you be the judge over half about 52 percent of what's been reported to us are round orb spheres of the cases that are showing that, you know, some sort of advanced technical signature of which we're talking single percentages of the entire population of cases we have. Um, I am concerned about what that nexus is, and I have indicators that some are related to foreign capabilities, mostly round, mostly one to four meters, white, silver, translucent, metallic, 10,000 to 30,000 feet, with apparent velocities from stationary to Mach 2. No thermal exhausts usually detected. We get intermittent radar returns. We get intermittent radio returns. And we get intermittent thermal signatures. That's what we're looking for and trying to understand what that is. Sounds uh, like a lot in which it cannot be explained. Searching for answers. That was the uh, highlights, basically, of the April 19th congressional hearing on UFOs. Certainly left more to be desired. And I was thinking at that point, you know, this is going to be a pretty lame year for UFO disclosure. Boy, was I wrong.
We didn't have to wait very long before NASA then convened a meeting of its unidentified anomalous phenomena independent study team. This happened in late May. This was a uh, organization that had been formed the previous year with 16 members studying uh, the UAP subject. And uh, then they would later in the year deliver a report and uh, also appoint a research director. So a couple of developments come out of NASA. And uh, let's share with you some of the highlights of the NASA UAP study group meeting. Right now, there is very limited number of high-quality observations and data curation of UAP. The existing data available from eyewitness reports are often muddled and cannot provide conclusive evidence that supports UAP recognition and analysis. Many of these events are commercial aircraft, civilian and military drones, weather and research balloons, military equipment, ionospheric phenomenon. Only a very small percentage of UAP reports display signatures that could reasonably be described as anomalous. The majority of unidentified objects reported to Arrow and in our holdings demonstrate mundane characteristics of readily explainable sources. Two very underwhelming and dismissive proceedings, if you ask me. The congressional briefing in April and the NASA UAP study team meeting. But then along comes June. That was when a a former intelligence officer and whistleblower comes forward and sets the stage for what's to come. My name is uh, David Grush. Former intelligence officer and member of the uh, UAP task force on News Nation, after giving an interview as well to the debrief, uh, goes viral by claiming that the U.S. is in possession of crashed UFOs and perhaps bodies of some sort, and that we've been hiding the top-secret program dealing with exactly this from even those at the highest levels. And it didn't take long for Mr. Grush to make those bombshell statements before the wheels in Congress started to churn again. I mean, we would not have gotten a second hearing in July had Mr. Grush not said what he said. Somebody as credible as it seems that he is. Now, he's had many people who have vouched for him. He says that current and former senior intelligence officers have confided in him. And slowly but surely, we're seeing uh, some people come out and back him up at um, maybe their own peril. And, of course, uh, David Grush, just a month or so later, was invited to take part in those proceedings. I became a whistleblower through a PPD-19 urgent concern filing in uh, May 2022 uh, with the Intelligence Community Inspector General. Uh, Following concerning reports from multiple esteemed and credentialed current and former military and intelligence community individuals that the U.S. government is operating with secrecy above congressional oversight uh, with regards to UAPs. David Grush is certainly not the first person to say that. He's not the only one who will say that in the future, but on such a level, it made an impact. And it even led to some legislation. It's the year when the classified was declassified. I'm Jeremy Scott. More after this. 
witnesses will testify today that UAPs have posed a serious safety threat, and we must understand this. My name is Ryan Fobbs Graves, and I'm a former F-18 pilot with a decade of service in the U.S. Navy. My name is David Charles Grush. I was an intelligence officer for 14 years. My name is David Fravor. I'm a retired commander in the United States Navy. I have experience advanced UAP firsthand, and I'm here to voice the concerns of more than 30 commercial aircrew and military veterans who have confided their similar encounters with me. I was informed in the course of my official duties of a multi-decade UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program. Look down a small, saw white tic-tac object with a longitudinal axis pointing north-south and moving very abruptly over the water like a ping-pong ball. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. There were no rotors, no rotor wash, or any sign of visible control surfaces like wings. Finally, I'd like to thank these three brave witnesses here. They took an oath. They took an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States, and God damn it, they're doing it. And we owe them a debt of gratitude. Representative Tim Burchett speaking about David Grush there, along with uh, Ryan Graves and David Fravor. If you've been following the UFO disclosure uh, effort, well, since 2017, you definitely know those names. As we uh, heard, the whistleblower by the name of David Grush comes forward, says he left the government two months previous to giving this tell-all interview, and he did so to advance government accountability through public awareness. He said the UAP task force was refused access to a broad crash retrieval program, that uh, we have retrieved non-human origin technical vehicles, And you see, if David Grush was just by himself and he had nobody else uh, stepping forward to vouch for him, you could easily say, well, David Grush is just uh, pouring hot water or whatever the case happens to be, and then he's just going to run away and, and watch it unfold. Well, I don't believe that's the case, because as I mentioned, just a day after this interview aired, the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, Representative James Comer, said he had appointed two committee members to investigate the matter, and that will include a hearing. So that interview was June 6th. The 7th, they say there's going to be a hearing, and there was a hearing July 26th. It's amazing that we even heard from those uh, witnesses there, considering the Pentagon had uh, reportedly intimidated some into not appearing, that according to Representative Burchett. I wonder what they were trying to hide. Amidst all of this, Dr. Stephen Greer of the Disclosure Project plans an event at the National Press Club that happens in mid-June in which he brings together credible witnesses and retired members of the military. And uh, before God and everyone, they told us what they know about secret operations dealing with UFOs, extraterrestrial biological entities, and advanced technologies. This is a bigger threat the existence of these in the hands of unsupervised operations that have escaped the oversight of the president of the office of the president and the Congress for since 1956 to 1960. Hence Eisenhower's speech, beware the military industrial complex. You are hearing the words of Dr. Stephen Greer at that Disclosure Project event. And this is the big story. No one's telling you. 
A large number of the UAPs are in fact deep black budget electrogravitic electromagnetic field propulsion devices based on the study of extraterrestrial vehicles that began in the 1940s. That is a fact. We can prove it. And kudos to Dr. Greer for bringing uh, everyone together. It was really hard to hear uh, the testimony of some of these former members of the military who had life-changing events. Uh, Some thought of taking their own lives. Others were threatened. Kudos to those uh, men who came forward, not only in the congressional hearing, but in the disclosure event. These weren't the only whistleblowers, though, who came forward this year. In fact, in April, there were a half dozen whistleblowers who claimed they worked on military UFO programs retrieving and analyzing crash material. They uh, brought their names and faces to the forefront and told that to senior members of Congress. So do you think any of that information actually made it into uh, uh, the public setting for one of those congressional hearings? Of course it didn't. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. Thank you for making Into the Parabnormal the number one podcast on TalkStream Live's Paranormal Radio app. There's a parallel universe there that separates us from all we perceive. Traveling into the paranormal, where the truth is not tainted. The United States government has gathered a great deal of information about UAPs over many decades, but has refused to share it with the American people. That is wrong, and additionally, it breeds mistrust. We've also been notified by multiple credible sources that information on UAPs has also been withheld from Congress, which, if true, is a violation of the laws requiring full notification to the legislative branch. I think we need to hear the beginning of that again, because I think the mainstream media didn't catch it the first time. The United States government has gathered a great deal of information about UAPs over many decades, but has refused to share it with the American people. That is wrong. And additionally, it breeds mistrust. Senator uh, Chuck Schumer, whether you agree with him or not, played a very pivotal role in UFO disclosure. A very pivotal role. In fact, introduced a bill that would have uh, changed the game. But again, secrets are being kept. The truth isn't entirely being revealed. We've also been notified by multiple credible sources that information on UAPs has also been withheld from Congress, which, if true, is a violation of the laws requiring full notification to the legislative branch. And they're keeping the secrets from themselves. The committees or whatever uh, panels in charge of this are keeping secrets. 
you don't say. We got real excited about the UAP Disclosure Act, and let's be honest, it did accomplish a few things. Certainly the uh, the documents that may uh, or may not be relieved, uh, relieved, <laughs> released will be relieved once this information is finally released. Uh, maybe they'll show something, although history says they won't. They'll be heavily redacted, and uh, they'll be kept to the absolute uh, last moment in time before they have to legally due to the bill, be released. But, uh, I mean, the real big parts here that uh, many folks were cheering for was the review board appointed by the president that would sift through each case and grant the federal government imminent domain rights to seize anything deemed non-human technology or otherwise held by private entities like defense contractors or maybe individuals Uh, who used to work for the government or the military in some capacity. But those two critical provisions were stripped from the final UAP disclosure bill. So we got a little bit of disclosure through legislation. It will not be the last. There is going to be additional movement As far as that is concerned, when you have someone like Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, saying that, well, you heard it, that is a bombshell. So it'll be very interesting to see what additional measures are taken. Any records not already officially disclosed must be made public within 25 years of their creation unless deemed by the president to remain classified for national security reasons. That's basically what this does. What happens from here remains to be seen. But let's uh, not forget how big of a statement that was that we just heard moments ago. A political activist and former lobbyist who has pushed for disclosure on this topic to end the government imposed truth embargo on extraterrestrial-related phenomena is a good friend of this program and the executive director of Paradigm Research Group, Stephen Bassett. This is uh, maybe the last battle of uh, a long uh, engagement, now 76 years on, and it's gotten very serious. So what is the holdup? Fundamentally, we've been moving towards disclosure now at a steady pace since 2017. The first three years um, were dragged out because of the pandemic and a lot of political chaos and what have you, but still it was moving forward, mostly behind the scenes. Uh, a lot of, there was a number of individuals that were involved in this most notable or Lou Elizondo, Christopher Mellon, some others. And then things got serious in 2020. Uh, virtually while a pandemic was raging and millions of people were dying, legislation was put together uh, in the Senate committee, uh, led by Marco Rubio, and they passed the the uh, 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 legislation in the NDA bill regarding UAPs, and it covered a number of things. It wasn't too extensive. It called for a report, public and classified, by June 25, and um, set up uh, a kind of uh, I think it sort of formalized the UAP task force and been sitting over the Office of Naval Intelligence, things like that. It was a big deal. It was the first legislation on UAP ever passed by the United States Congress. And then, 
even as the pandemic continued to rage and people were still dying and the politics was not good, legislation was put together again in the Senate, uh, championed by Senator Gillibrand, uh, that went into the uh, 2022 NDAA, National Defense Authorization Act. This took things further. It uh, uh, fleshed out the entity that uh, is going to be sitting over the DOD, uh, move, move the UAP task force. I think they renamed it, moved that over to the DOD, uh, signed some people to it and so forth, fleshed it out. So again, it's important legislation. I invite people to read every word of all, all four of these acts. Uh, and then in 2022, uh, with the pandemic still going on, and a and a an incredibly dangerous war underway in Europe. It was going to kill thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, and very could very well set off a nuclear issue over there. They put together legislation again, uh, and they the Senate brought it out. Uh, the sponsor in this case was Mark Warner, and this legislation took things even further. Uh, established witness protections and and so forth. Again, substantial bill. Uh, and these three bills went through without any trouble, a couple of small redactions. One, one redaction was in our favor. It was a, 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 a short paragraph saying that witnesses that chose to come forward would first have to be interviewed by the FBI. This was in the second bill. Danny Sheehan jumped into that and uh, kind of made a strong case to the appropriate people. That was a bad idea and it was pulled out. We won that one. The next year something was pulled out and it was a loss for us. And that in that bill, amazingly, uh, the authors, again, Mark Warner was the sponsor, uh, put in a paragraph stating that uh, witnesses who uh, are, is not allowed, you're not allowed to harass, uh, punish, or in any way uh, do harm to witnesses that are coming forward appropriately under the, uh, the uh, legislation. Uh, and then it added that should somebody do that, somebody in your command, your office, whatever, you could sue them. And you could even sue the United States government for recoverable and punishable damages, which I said, that's, I couldn't believe it. I said, that's, that's amazing. That was bold. Uh, not surprisingly, that got pulled out. The government does not let people sue them easily. But still, a loss, but it's not a big deal. And then this bill. Now, obviously, during that period, a lot is happening. The issue continues to advance in, a diff- in difficult times. So the legislation is being put together for the 2024 NDAA. Uh, but before it, let me put it this way, before it, I think before it gets published, uh, in the middle of all this, we have an ex- extraordinary event take place, uh, which was going to happen, right? This thing is stretched out for years, and it's only likely that something is going to show up you didn't expect. And that was, in fact, David Grush. So David Grush decides to come forward as a whistleblower, a true whistleblower. He claims that the policies that the government's following are illegal, and he's, he's blowing a whistle on, so that's what a whistleblower does. He comes forward after making considerable effort to address his concerns within, uh, within uh, the uh, UAP task force, right, and then later to Arrow, to the Senate Intel Committee. And when harassment begins and he gets troubled, he goes to the intelligence, the IG, uh, Inspector General of the Intelligence Community. He gets some help there, some relief. His complaint is acknowledged as being legitimate. So David Grush comes forward and uh, and 
arranges for an interview with a a, a fairly good publication, the Debrief, uh, and then gives an interview to a top journalist, uh, Ross Colthart, on News Nation, a very rapidly growing show, with uh, what's going to become pretty big, and, and and puts it out there that he has he's been it's confirmed to him that we have multiple crash vehicles and bodies, which essentially confirms the extraterrestrial presence, which confirms Roswell. And confirms that the government, of course, has known all about this for at least 76 years. Uh, and he obviously he gets a little pushback. Some people got a little upset. But the DOD did not did not pull him back, did not take any excessive uh, uh, measures. Um, and so this was an ontological bomb dropped into the middle of what had been a relatively straightforward, somewhat calm process leading to disclosure that I was happy about. But it was only a matter of time something like this was going to happen. And so what do you do? Uh, it's like we're not ready for the president to disclose. It's not, you know, he's not going to walk out in the East Room and say, well, David Grush has spilled the beans and now I'm going to, no. Uh, it, all the legislation was not t- together yet. So it was very, very awkward. Uh, got a tremendous amount of press. David continues to get threats even now, uh, but uh, hopefully he's holding up all right. Uh, so what happened? Two things happened. Uh, 19, 20, and 39 days after Grush came forward, suddenly or out of nowhere, Chuck Schumer steps into the UAP issue. He had not done that. He had stayed out of it while, this, while the Intel Committee was doing their thing. He suddenly steps in and says he is putting language into the next bill. And that language was non-trivial. It was uh, uh, involving a few things, but the most important part was that the, the government was going to assert eminent domain over non-human tech in the hands of non-governmental entities, meaning private individuals or corporation, meaning government contractors. Uh, now, by the, that means that doesn't mean that stormtroopers are going to immediately rush in and grab everything. It just means that they, the government has the right to exercise it if it so chooses, and that the bill would also uh, uh, require that in a certain amount of time, I think it was three hundred days. Uh, I, right. I, I think that's what's in the bill. Uh, that uh, the, the all of these ent- government entities, private entities, had three hundred days to provide a report of what they have. It's not exactly like rushing. You know the corporate facilities and grabbing stuff. He gave him 300 days to provide a report. Still, that's a big deal. Uh, and so, wow, we were pretty excited about that. Uh, and uh, the bill legislation uh, ultimately goes up on the on the Senate website, uh, where it has uh, remains, or at least have remained until uh, for months, until such time as would be reconciled with the House. And so this was a profound moment. Uh, what Chuck Schumer did in that one statement when he announced this language in the bill, he did three things. One, he confirmed Grush. We're talking with Stephen Bassett of the Paradigm Research Group tonight on Declassified, somewhere between paranormal and
the UFO, enough to prompt Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to propose new legislation that would set a 300-day deadline for agencies to find any records and turn them over to a review board that could declassify them. To create a commission to declassify U.S. government documents about UFOs and extraterrestrial matters. Why would lobbyists for the major aerospace corporations bring major pressure to bear such that McConnell went to Schumer and said, it's over, it's out. Key political leaders have colluded, presumably at the behest of the defense aerospace industry and the intelligence community, to try to stop this key piece of legislation from being passed. Members of Congress, including Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, are trying to defeat this effort to make UAP documents available to the public. They're fighting over UFOs in Congress. Did you ever think that day would come? Well, of course, the bill has uh, passed with only some of the UAP provisions originally proposed by Senator Chuck Schumer uh, and by Mike Rounds. But here we are in the post-UAP disclosure bill era, wrapping up a year and headed into a new one, talking about this with Stephen Bassett of the paradigm research group the total bill is essentially the last infrastructure that was needed before a president could disclose all that you've been seeing happen the last few years is nothing about finding out about this phenomena they already know what this phenomena is they've known for decades but putting all this together arrow and uh, the law and the legislation with his protection bringing nasa in all of this was designed to, to prepare for what happens the day after the president discloses, the post-disclosure world. Because the day after the president discloses, there's going to be untold demands for information and all kinds of intense things happening. Uh, and they want to service that. But to do that, you've got to have the infrastructure set up to do it appropriately. And that's what this bill does. All four do, but this bill was the final piece. And so once this bill is passed, essentially the U.S. government is now prepared for disclosure uh, by the president or anybody else for that matter. So now what, what is the, what is the uh, uh, military intelligence complex, the, the contractors and the people do on this? Well, they made the decision to push back finally. I think they overestimated how, how well the disclosure process is going forward. And so – they started lining up uh, their resistance, and not surprisingly, they really didn't exercise it or have it come forward until the reconciliation process begins, when the House and the Senate must decide on a final language. So they made their move at that point. makes total sense. This really is the end for them, and they know it. If this bill passes, then disclosure will get, will get underway. Ultimately, the president will disclose. There will be a hearing in front of the Senate, and and, and the tooth embargo is over. Now, does that mean that everything that they have is suddenly going to be shoved out the door? No. The process that will be set up by this bill will take years to fully accomplish its goal. But let me be clear. If you read this bill completely, what you see on paper is the entire apparatus by which Everything the government has on this issue over X number of years, every document, every every file, uh, every technology, everything they have will work its way out of the deepest classified world up through several points of review 
and end up in the National Archives. And, of course, along the way, be informed to the public. Everything. As they say, stay tuned. And thanks to Stephen Bassett of Paradigm Research Group for coming on the program. Boy, there was a lot of UFO news, or sorry, UAP news as it's now called. And we have only gotten to a fraction of it so far. Still uh, much more to come your way. A year where the classified was declassified. I'm Jeremy Scott into the paranormal. is paranormal news ufos over two airports have caused temporary shutdowns in both turkey and taiwan over the past few days a pilot of a passenger plane arriving at gajiantip airport early saturday morning notified air traffic controllers of an unidentified flying object on radar at an altitude of about nine thousand feet the airport shut down for 12 hours and dozens of flights were canceled while authorities investigated then on monday morning at taiyuan international airport a commercial pilot reported a ufo at only a thousand feet the airport was shut down over a half an hour officials have been unable to identify either of the objects there have been many ufo sightings at airports over the years including at chicago's o'hare in 2006 and a series in china in 2010 not to mention the countless pilots who have seen them in the air george henry paranormal news It was like a starship. The thing was huge. Oh, my gosh. Oh. These lights, one at a time, they were coming down. Oh, wow. What I saw coming pretty much almost dead on it was a triangular shape. It was large. had a center light. The crew reported a brightly glowing reddish-orange elliptical object approximately 70 feet in diameter. It was triangular in shape and three lights on the side. That is so creepy. It's just hovering there. Exploring the possibilities of the subjects you've always wanted to know. And those you never knew existed until now. Into the Paranormal with Jeremy Scott. Not since 2017 going into 2018 when the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program was brought to light through a New York Times article and uh, the release of some videos which were then officially released after public pressure years later. Not since then has there been this much UFO coverage. All you have to do is open up a browser, type in UFO or UAP, and uh, it's the floodgates of headlines and in-depth reporting and exclusive interviews Uh, The pipeline is flowing. It's flowing swiftly, and it doesn't seem to be stopping as we head into 2024. You know, it's our responsibility to really make sure that you know what's going on, because not all of this gets mainstream news coverage. In fact, very little of it gets mainstream news coverage. That which does is given a few minutes, and... uh, Let's just say it leaves more to be desired. 
a lot of the mainstream news coverage when it comes to the UFO topic. And there are many stories over the years that I've just sat there and go, wow, are they not paying attention or they do they not care? Because they're in the business of clicks and ad revenue. And if I saw something like NASA holds secret conferences on plan, if evidence of alien civilization is discovered, I would click on it. I don't know why more mainstream news agencies didn't report on this story in particular. And this happened before NASA released its report in September. A NASA scientist, Dr. Michelle Thaller, says the space agency has held conferences on what it would do if the James Webb telescope finds evidence that there is life on another planet. What happens if the James Webb Space Telescope observes observes an atmosphere of a planet around another star and we see things that don't look natural? That's what Dr. Thaler said. She would uh, not reveal the strategy for confirming uh, and revealing to the world that alien life has been found. Of course, that's got to be kept behind closed doors like everything else. But at least there have been meetings on what to do. This is not just a what-if scenario. Perhaps it is uh, an infinite probability, not even a possibility anymore, that one day we're going to find the evidence. So NASA has these secret meetings on what to do if we find alien life. But is there any mention of that when they hold a briefing on September 14th following the release of a report? following uh, just under a year investigation of the Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Independent Study Team that NASA convened. Well, much like uh, those whistleblowers who told higher-ups in Congress, yeah, no, there, there was no mention of this. Not even a we're looking into this, not even uh, saying, well, this was just a what-if scenario. They've got a, seems like an infinite budget, but would they waste money? Maybe they would on a scenario that they don't believe is actually going to come to be. Maybe they're just trying to justify their existence by holding these secret meetings, by forming a study team, and then, in my opinion, doing what they felt they had to do before they became... The laughing stock. And that was appoint a research director. Because after the report that said, well, concluded there are currently a limited number of high quality observations of UAP, which currently make it impossible to dry, draw firm scientific conclusions about their nature, which they said in a statement, their actions say otherwise. Their actions say that there is something to investigate. They feel the need to. They've appointed a research director. Limited data makes it difficult to draw conclusions on the origin of UAP, NASA says, but they did not find evidence of extraterrestrials that they know of. I added that last part, that they know of. So Mark McInerney 
who has worked with the Department of Defense covering limited UAP activities for the agency, is the director director of UAP research. The report mentioning that NASA has been called on to play a more prominent role in understanding unidentified anomalous phenomena. So at least they didn't just uh, assemble a group, study it for nine months, and I have that in air quote, study, come up with a report that may have been written before they even wrapped up their work and then just moved on. They knew they had to do something about it, which is to appoint a director. Now, it does remain to be seen what exactly this role will be. I mean, there's an official job description, but much like things in the government, it leaves you scratching uh, your head. And how will Mr. McInerney work alongside Arrow, the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, which, of course, is going through a change itself as Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick is on his way out. There are reports that Mr. Kirk, Dr. Kirkpatrick was not trusted among the whistleblower community. Just uh, a little while after a report in the Daily Mail surfaced accusing Kirkpatrick of flat-out lying to the public, making false statements about whistleblowers, and even ignoring their sightings, they're saying that he is retiring. Let's make no bones about it. It's a resignation. A resignation. He was forced out. They couldn't get any more work done with Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick at the helm, in my opinion. Now, it's a tough job, but look at what he accomplished. He appeared at a, a, a congressional hearing, the NASA study group, spoke at an international meeting of the five eyes did a couple of exclusive interviews got into a uh, a public sparring match with david grush all the while uh arrow cannot seem to get a website up until it, what the last quarter of this year well over a year after their creation they have turned on the reporting feature but uh, only certain individuals will be able to report their sightings. Again, the everyday experiencer is being ignored. They're being pushed out of the room. Uh, They're just not uh, wanting to hear from these individuals. They'd much rather hear from individuals that, uh, I don't know, maybe they can control or, or threaten, which, of course, there has been plenty of. So there's going to be a new director who comes in to take over the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office as uh, Sean Kirkpatrick makes it less than a year and a half as director of the Pentagon's UAP office. What do you make of that? I suspect exactly what was being reported, that he could no longer be trusted to get the job done, and also may have said a few questionable things. That got him in trouble with the higher-ups. Because depending on where he was quoted and in what setting, you know, he would was very dismissive 
of what was being investigated by Arrow. But in other capacities, he entertained some uh, wild outlandish theories, such as these UFOs are probes from a mothership. And there, there is some sort of propulsion method that defies the laws of physics. And of course, remember the interview that he gave to ABC News. What keeps you up at night? Technical surprise. And that could be adversary technical surprise or extraterrestrial technical surprise. I don't think Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick was supposed to be saying the E word, the extraterrestrial word. Certainly not in a capacity in which he claims to to have been kept up at night by this possibility. So it was very hard to read him. But the word is that he just could not be trusted to continue with the work. I mean, that's the report. So take it for what it's worth. It was not too uh, long ago, actually, that we heard about a report involving the CIA and their involvement in a crash retrieval program. Where have we heard this before? Well, of course, we heard it from David Grush. We heard it from him in the exclusive interviews. We heard it from him on national television. The Office of Global Access, which is a wing of the Central Intelligence Agency, has played a central role in collecting alien spacecraft since 2003, according to these whistleblowers. At least nine non-human craft, as they're calling them, have been recovered by the U.S. government. Some of these wrecked in a crash, perhaps maybe Roswell and others. Two of these completely intact. This comes out uh, rather late in the year, just a couple of weeks ago, and we get another nugget that we can add to the uh, mountain of evidence there has been uh, when it comes to UFO disclosure. So let's step back a little bit and think about what we've heard. We've heard from credible individuals after credible individuals after credible individuals come forward and state what has long been thought to be the case. High-ranking members come out in support of those whistleblowers. There's some action involving an additional hearing. Some wheeling and dealing behind the scenes as it relates to legislation to try to get this under control. A report that the CIA of, uh, of all entities was involved. And let's not uh, forget about uh, the Border Patrol dumping videos of UFOs, at least 10 of these videos of craft whizzing around uh, U.S. skies. That's right. Customs and Border Patrol is in possession of at least 10 videos pertaining to unidentified aerial phenomenon. And there is also nearly 400 pages of partially redacted records that come along with that. 
And if you haven't had enough to chew on, also just a couple of weeks ago comes a report that the U.S. military's Space Force, the Pentagon branch tasked with protecting America from space-based threats, has detected thousands of UFOs in Earth's orbit. No matter how hard they try, they cannot keep all of this under the ra- under wraps. It has come out, and it has done so in just a matter of months. Monumental times we are living in. The year when the classified was declassified. I'm Jeremy Scott. Into the When you hear the word incursion, what comes to mind? Do you think a close call? Or do you think of an attack? There certainly were many incursions involving UFOs this year. Early in the year, we got a report of a suspected UFO that was shot down in Russia. Now, we have to... uh, Be careful of what we trust out of Russia. I wouldn't say that uh, everything we hear is as it is. Now, there's reports that this was a drone from Ukraine. Of course, they've been involved in this war for almost two years now. And militaries have been known to shoot down drones. (laughs) They will shoot down anything that they can't identify for a couple of weeks, and then they just stop caring, as what happened in February of this year with those objects that were shot down. Uh, Russia may not uh, take any chances. They may be a little bit more trigger-happy than the U.S. when it comes to this. And if they believe that there is a UFO in their airspace, uh, well, they're going to shoot it down. And shoot it down is exactly what they did. I don't think we even know what that object was. Airports were in the news a couple of times this year, including a report of objects breaching the airspace in England, over Newcastle, in fact. Here's George Henry. Amidst all the talk of unidentified objects breaching U.S. and Canadian airspace, comes a report from England of a jet's near miss with an unknown object over Newcastle last November. The crew of an RAF Atlas aircraft encountered what they initially thought was a drone in the middle of the afternoon. Then it passed in front of the flight deck and came within just a few feet of the wingtip. The crew described the object as circular with a hollow center and just a few feet in diameter. The UK Airprox board says they were unable to determine the nature of the unknown object and that there was a, quote, definite risk of collision, end quote, saying the object came within one foot of the aircraft and it happened so quickly that there was no time for the crew to react and uh, by the way i want to say uh publicly uh to george henry thank you for all of your work this year it's uh, awesome to have you on board the team our second year with him at the helm of parabnormal news and he helps us with some other stuff behind the scenes that really lightens the load off of me 
Uh, it's not just easy sitting down and doing this thing nightly, but maybe you've gathered that. We really uh, want to say thank you again to George Henry for being a part of the team. It's uh, great to have him on board. But about the, the sightings over airports, it was uh, earlier that we heard about the situation in Turkey and Taiwan that shut down airports. In one case, for 12 hours, dozens of flights were canceled while authorities investigated what they were up against. And the other one uh, shut down an airport for about a half hour. Again, UFOs over airports, you would expect that they have the best and the brightest technology, radar, and whatever else to differentiate these objects, but in these cases, they could not. Just last month, India's Air Force scrambled two fighter jets to investigate a UFO near an airport. An alert was issued by security forces. Airport operations were halted at the state capitol. They say that this object could be seen with the naked eye. And, of course, making the news lately was a UFO that apparently flew over Air Force One while President Joe Biden was at LAX on a fundraising trip. This UFO, uh, uh, white or silver sphere, was hovering over the, the president's jet. And eyewitnesses said they saw a helicopter from LAPD circling the object. It was uh, also earlier this year that we heard about a, well, depending on who you ask, a dogfight of sorts in the Lake Huron area, which was one of the areas that an object was shot down earlier this year. There's apparently an object that causes F-16s to scramble and engage this UFO in a dogfight. The military, though, saying it was something else. But we can't tell you what it is, and we don't know what it is. Friends, thank you for an amazing year. We get set for our biggest year yet in 2024. Thanks to your support. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon, somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, I'm Jeremy Scott. Good night, God bless, and Happy New Year.